0: on a Thursday, on which nothing much is happening, but there is another meltdown starting to form on social media, this time because Manchester City are apparently going to bid for Declan Rice, according to David Ornstein. Arsenal have pricked about a little bit too long, and it seems like they may have lost some of their edge in the race to sign the England midfielder. From a footballing point of view, City makes more sense for Rice. And Rice makes more sense for City than he does for Arsenal. He would have made sense for Arsenal as a Granit Xhaka replacement. But then he would have altered how they play because he's not left-footed. It looks like Kai Havertz is going to take that role, who is left-footed, but not as good defensively which would have meant Rice playing as the number six, which isn't his best position. It is a position in which many of his flaws will get exposed. And especially when you're asking him to do all the grunt work for Martin Odegaard and Kai Havertz, that would have been a big ask for Declan Rice. At City, he'd play next to Rodri in a double pivot And be the box-to-box midfielder, which is his role. That is what he is. He's a box-to-box midfielder. And, I mean, let's be honest. City are going to win more stuff over the next five years than Arsenal, who, despite all the money they've spent, and they could pass the £700 million barrier under Mikel Arteta this summer, They're still quite a way away. You know, they've still got Aaron Ramsdale in goal. They're still rolling out Ben White and Gabriel, players who are not going to be Premier League winning winning defenders anytime soon. They're still rolling out Zinchenko, who I know won titles at City but wasn't first choice. And then they still don't have a lot of goals in that front line. You're relying heavily on Martinelli to pick up a lot of the slack from Jesus. So City makes more sense for Declan Rice, both in terms of the opportunity to win and the potential role that he would play there. Now, you then have to factor in, does he start for City? And that's a question worth asking because they're bringing in Mateo Kovacic, but they may well lose... Bernardo Silva, and it looks like Ilkay Gundogan is going to Barcelona. So there probably is that role there, the role that John Stones filled through the back part of last season. That's probably where Declan Rice will play. And then, out of possession, he can drop to right-back or centre-back. He's obviously played centre-back in the past. It would be a little bit of a clunky fit defensively, but... City have the ball for 75% of the game. But obviously, City spending that type of money has, as usual, drawn some people out of the corners of the internet in which they, they dwell. And they're demanding that we, you know, spend 100 million on Moises Caicedo, which I would love us to do, absolutely, or on you know, an Aurelian Choumeny, things like that, which again, that that is what we should be doing after we get Kefran Turan. We should be looking for someone like that, an elite level player to play that number six position. <clears throat> but it got me thinking about our best 11 with potential signings versus City's best 11. Forgetting squad depth for a second here. I would take Allison over Ederson all day. Assuming John Stones plays the right side of City's back three, will we have Eboo? I'm taking Eboo. I'm taking Virgil over Ruben Diaz. I know Virgil had a bad season last year, but Virgil is better than Ruben Diaz. The left-sided role then is, is up in the air for both teams. Now, if it's Aki versus Robbo, the pick is Aki. In a back three, it's Aki without doubt. In a back four, it would be Robertson. But they are after Josco Gvardiol, which widens the gap. Now, we are going to sign someone most likely for that role as well. It could be Mickey Van It could be Goncalo Inascio. Both of them are much closer to Guardiola than people want to make out. Just because the price will be hugely different, that doesn't reflect the talent involved here. You would still give the edge to City, but either of those into our team would mean that it is pretty close. Overall, goalkeeper back three, I'd rather what we'll have than what they'll have. Trent versus Declan Rice in that kind of hybrid role is Trent all day. He's better on the ball, and he's more natural dropping into the defensive line off the ball. He's just a better player than Declan Rice. Now, there's only two holding midfielders we could sign that would be in the same stratosphere as Rodri. One would be Chuamani, The other would be Caicedo. It's unlikely we get either, so they will have a fairly decent advantage there. Now, Manu Kone, players at that, they have the potential to get, not maybe to Rodri's level, but close enough. But if it's Fabinho, then that is a sizable gap. Their right side at eight is Kevin De Bruyne. Ours, I assume, will be Kefran Turam. It's obviously KDB. Their left sided eight will probably be Mateo Kovacic, who's fantastic, but I would take Alexis over him. At this point in their respective careers, I would take Alexis. Left wing, they've got Grealish. We've got Diaz. I'd rather have Diaz than Grealish. Right wing will be interesting for them. Mares played there. Foden played there. Bernardo played there. My guess is Foden goes into next season as the first choice pick there. We've got Mo Salah. So I'm taking Mo. Up front, it's going to be Haaland. You can put forward Gakpo, Nunes, Jota, whatever. The pick is Haaland. But overall, is their first 11 better than ours? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think they've got a couple of big advantages in certain areas. And I don't know that we have a clearly defined big advantage in any one position. But I think we've got more players that would go into a combined 11 than they do. They have very good depth in certain areas. But so do we. I'm not massively concerned about City signing Rice. I don't think it really moves the needle because we've moved the needle by putting Trent into midfield, which has unlocked a whole world of new opportunities for us. And if we add Turam, while he's not on KDB's level and might never get to KDB's level, he can be, in his own right, a very, very special player, a transformational player who can offer something that we haven't had before. Which Naby might have been able to offer, but he didn't have the explosiveness, and he couldn't carry the ball over longer distances, especially post um, post injuries. But like, if we can get. The right left sided, excuse me. The right left sided centre back in. Be that Inacio. Be that Van Veen. Maybe it's somebody else that hasn't been linked yet. I think our defence and keeper can be the best in the league again. Then we have to nail that third midfielder. Now there is a lot of suggestion that this summer we're not going to sign a holding midfielder. Now, I think that would be a, a significant mistake on our part. I really don't want to see Kefran Turam there because it would be a waste of him. I really don't want us to sign Ryan Gravenberch unless we're signing four midfielders. Because for me, if he's one of the three, that doesn't help us. Gabri Viega is really interesting. And the more I watch him, the more I like him. But again, if we're signing Turam, I don't know to what end Gabri Viega makes a whole lot of sense. Look, we might play a different shape and system than we're expecting, but I I would just love us to go be really ambitious and go for one of Caicedo and Chiuameni and I think that would complete the puzzle. Even though we'd still have some depth issues, I think we'd be in such a strong position from our starting eleven that you can play game after game in the league because you can rotate heavily in the Europa League, because we could just bin off the domestic cups. If we could get an elite level six to partner Trent. I really do think we could put it up to City next year. Maybe not sustain it for the whole season, but give them a good old scare. And then the following season, when everybody's settled, everybody's had a year to develop and progress and find their role and expand their role, and certain other players have had their minutes even further reduced than what they'll be this season, I really do think we'd be in a great position to go and attack the title. Like, it doesn't have to be many or Caicedo. Martin Zubimendi would make a whole lot of sense. He's not as good defensively as the other two, but he's still good defensively, and he's great on the ball. Anyway, like I say, Rice to City makes more sense for him. I think he makes more sense for them than, than than he does for Arsenal in that six role. Because Rice as a six is a downgrade from Partey. Huge upgrade as a human being, obviously. And there's a reason Thomas Partey is very quickly trying to get himself to Saudi Arabia, which is no extradition order with the UK. But I I don't see that midfield as a title-winning midfield. Odegaard, Rice, and Havertz. I think it's a good FIFA midfield, but not necessarily a good midfield in practice in the Premier League, where teams with high-powered midfields, energetic midfields, will just run all over you. And Rice being so drawn to the ball... Will leave huge gaps in front of their defensive line. Caicedo would make more sense there, but I think he's going to end up at Chelsea. Romeo Lavia they've been linked with. But again, you can be asking him at 19 to do an awful lot of dog work. The player Arsenal should go and buy. If the plan is to play Havertz as the left-sided eight, the player Arsenal should buy as their six is Florentino Luis. Just a monstrous ball winner who can cover endless amounts of ground. And as a backup to him, go and get Tyler Adams who can do the same job and always have one of them available. That would be a better use of their money than Declan Rice would. Now, I know he's got an expensive buy it, but it is what it is. Benfica will come down on that. Um, Let's go around the main Liverpool websites. There is a piece on, this is Anfield, about Trent and his new position. So check that out. A piece on Liverpool still planning for Anfield's first home game versus Bournemouth. There has been some suggestion that Liverpool might ask the Premier League to reverse that fixture so that we would play Bournemouth away from home. That would mean four away games in a row to begin the season so that work on the Anfield road end could be completed. But as things stand, it looks like it will take place at Anfield. Um, David Lynch has said Liverpool will 100% sign a new centre-back this summer. Ideally, we'd sign two, a lefty and a righty, because Joe Matip should really be getting moved on this summer. But we'll have to make do with one. Man has rejected bids for Mason Mount shows where Liverpool pulled out. Liverpool pulled out to buy Alexis McAllister, no other reason. Uh, the history of Anfield's famous cop and where it got its name. Diogo Jota attributes goal scoring to unusual reason. Uh, Saudi Arabia to start work on Mo Salah transfer, but prepared to wait. I'm guessing next summer they might come in for Mo. Uh Keller stands clearer as two clubs close on goalkeeper transfer. So he'd obviously been linked to Brighton. They're signing Bark for Bruggen. He'd been linked to Spurs. I don't think that was ever real. David Ray was clearly their first choice, but they've pivoted now to signing the Empoli goalkeeper. Brentford signed Mark Flecken. I think there's only two clubs left in the Premier League that could potentially want Cuevin Kelleher, Burnley, actually three, Burnley, Sheffield United, because their goalkeeper's not very good, and maybe Nottingham Forest if Dean Henderson proves too expensive. And we did business with them last year over Nico Williams, and that all went very smoothly, and they were willing to pay the price that we had in mind because we were willing to be flexible with them On payment structure and it might be worth if we did want to sell it might be worth a phone call and letting them know look this is what we would want and this is how we would accept it but I think Jurgen does want to keep him so a lot will depend on the player and what he wants himself Uh, moving on to liverpool.com there's far too much Ryan Gravenberch uh, coverage on this website for my liking um, there's a piece about Antonio Silva, who would be incredible. There's a piece about Malik Thiaw, the young German centre back at Milan. If Milan are going to have somewhat of an asset stripping summer, uh, he would be a great Joe Matip replacement. He's a player we were linked with before, and we should have bought him when he moved from Schalke to Milan. I think they paid 7 million for him, which was a bargain. Uh, da, 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 what else have we got here a piece on Ray Ann Cherky and a piece on Mickey Van On Veen on anfieldindex.com there is a few new pieces if you haven't read my piece on Kevin Turan please do if you haven't read Downey's uh, Ode to Heroes and Villains please do that Gravenberch, Birch, the one Klopp and Linder's prepared to wait for. Uh, written by David Davies. The answer to that is hopefully not. Chelsea could prove the perfect start to our campaign. That was written by Stephen Smith. Uh, Naby Keita has saluted Jurgen Klopp's support during his injury troubles. Reds bid for Madrid star. It's a piece about reports that we are interested in. Too many that Mia put together. And then Andrew Beasley's weekly pieces up. Darwin Nunes is elite, and here's why. That's all we have article wise. There's more if you, if you go on the app, you'll see more. Uh, I'm just using the website for now. And there is a, sorry, there's actually a scouting report on uh, Keito Nakamura as well, which is worth a quick read. There is a new scouted. Uh, Myself and Carl talked about Bournemouth and the sacking of Gary O'Neill, what it could mean for them with the new manager. And then we talked about what other clubs in the Premier League we thought could potentially benefit from being as ruthless as Bournemouth have been. Um, And that's it. That's all I've got today. So yesterday I made a, a silly mistake. Yesterday I thought... Trev's birthday was today, but Trev's birthday was yesterday. Trev turned 50 yesterday. So congrats to Trev on reaching the half century. Here's to a half century more. He's away pampering himself, leading this, you know, the superstar lifestyle that you expect from Trev uh, down at, you know, one of those nice country homes down the country, uh, probably getting, you know, manicures, pedicures, the whole shebang. And good for him. Why not? He's earned it. He is, without question, the best podcaster in the Liverpool sphere. Any outlet, there's no one better than him. So I feel very lucky that I get to do post-match Raw with him every week. Uh, We do on the books. We will be bringing on the books back this summer. Uh, We're going to be doing more Buzz podcasts as well. I do feel very lucky every time I get to do something with him because he's someone I admired before he joined Anfield Index and someone that I've gotten to know very well and and have great admiration for. So happy birthday to Trev. I'd also like to wish a happy birthday to Damo. People will know him from Twitter as Dublin Damo. He also turned 50 last week, and I missed that one as well, even though he had like a nine-day extravaganza for his birthday. Uh, So happy birthday to the two boys. Here's to many, many more. Sláinte.